Awesome. Thank you guys so, so much. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We'll be in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is where we'll be. Um, our projector has been ordered, so uh, hopefully very, very soon that should be in. Um, the, the lens and all that good stuff uh, very soon, so we'll get words back up to you. Now we're just going old school. It's kind of like the progressive old school. So it's like that gap in between like hymnals and projector, and so we're, we're kind of, we're just, just, it's just a throwback month here at New Life, so. Um, Acts chapter 10, that's where we'll be. Before we get there, I feel like there's some housekeeping stuff that we need to do real fast. Um, and so our heart here is always going to be this, is we're going to be open and honest about everything. There's never anything to hide. Never. And we're family. That's the way that we look at this. And so I think with that, it's good for us to celebrate when we need to celebrate. It's good for us to uh, be hurt when we need to hurt and walk together. It's good to, uh, a ton of things in that regard. And so um, just a few things real fast that I want to talk about before we jump into the scripture this morning. Um, and the thing that I want to do is I want to commend us as the body of God, what we have done the last two weeks. Um, I had my brother-in-law here that was heading, um, I don't want to say the name and all that stuff. I got, on, got in trouble a couple weeks ago for that. Um, and so the trip that he is taking, um, which is going really, really good, uh, we raised, church, we raised, you all was so generous and you gave like crazy men and women of the Lord. And I love that. That's a good thing. It's a compliment. Um, you gave $1,800. For the spread of the gospel, for him to go and proclaim truth and the gospel in a place that needs it, the 1040 window where it's the darkest of darks. And so I just want to commend you and say thank you so much for your generosity, for your heart. Um, and we're going to continue to live open-handedly here um, when it comes to missions, when it comes to the family of God. And so I just want to say uh, awesome job. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Um, the second thing that I want to talk about real fast before we jump in is, is this, is um, last week our safety team. And so I don't, you may not even be aware of, of anything thing that took place last week, um, but, but there was a little incident that happened. Um, it, it never got heated. It never got out of the way. There was never a threat. There was just some questions and things as someone entered the building here. And so what I want to say is this, is that our heart at New Life is going to be the safety of the children in these, this wing over here and the men and women that sat in here. And so we're going to do everything that we need to do to make sure that there is no threats. And so I want to start off by saying and commending our uh, safety team to, that, that all that you did last week week, everything that you did to prevent anything. And like I said, again, there was never, there was never a question of something getting out of hand or not getting out of hand. Um, and with that being said, we're always going to be a place where everybody's welcome here until you don't want to be welcome here. And so whenever that happens, then we'll move in and do what we need to do to keep this place safe. And so uh, the incident was, was never elevated, was never anything like that um, to, to take into account for anybody to worry. But again, I just want to commend the team that, that we've got here and you moving like you moved to make sure that everybody was safe, everything was taken care of. Um, and all of that good stuff. So I want to commend you and say thank you so much for that. Um, and then the third thing that I want to talk about for just a second is this, was Wednesday night, there was an announcement made. Um, our founding pastor, Bill Harris, um, who is just doing pulpit supply right now in Union County, um, announced that he would be stepping away from the ministry here. And so, um, again, he feels called to, to, that it's time to step back, that it's time to leave. Uh, five years ago, when I was brought in, we knew that this day was going to come, um, that, that he was going to go into full retirement. He said that's what he wants to do. And so, um, and we, so be sure, celebrate him, let him know how much you love him. Um, I don't want to say too much yet because we're online, but um, all that 
kind of stuff. And so just let him know how much you love him. God is working and moving there. Um, it's going to be one of those things that he's going to come back and preach here some. He said Wednesday night, you never know when he'll, he'll be in and out to worship with us. And so the game plan there is to um, kind of be in the background doing some of the finance stuff until we figure out some of those kinds of things. And so be praying for him uh, as he transitions, as he figures out what, what retirement looks like for him. And so again... That's all I can tell you because that's all I know and that's all he said. Is there an issue? Is there a problem? No. Not that I've been made aware of yet. So if you know of something, let me know. But um, uh, coming from him and talking with him um, and just loving him and walking with him and um, that, that's what was announced Wednesday night. So those are the things I just wanted to, again, we're family, so we're going to talk as family, right? And so that's how we're going to do things around here. And so I'm going to ask you this morning if you'd pray with me and then we're going to jump into uh, what God has for us in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. So um, I want to ask you to pray a little different this morning. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you just kind of open your hands up, that nothing weird, I'm not going to throw anything at you. This is not an illustration. I promise, Graylin, don't laugh. I promise. Um, what I'm going to ask is this, is almost like as a symbol, like God, just whatever you have for me this morning in this place, whatever you need to say, whatever you need to do in this place in me. So just a symbol. God, help us this morning hear from you. God, help us seek you in this place. God, do a work. Oh, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be heavy in this place. Lord, that you would do what you see fit. God, that you would convict and draw, Lord, as we look at a very weighty subject this morning. God, I know the tendency sometimes in that is to check out and say it's not for me, but God, the reality is this. Every single one of us in this room, including me, God, needs to hear your word, needs to have your Holy Spirit intervene and convict and draw and encourage. And so, God, I just pray this morning in this place that you would do a work. God, that you would be evident. Make your presence known. God, help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Help us to be obedient to your word, all of it. God, do a work, I pray. It's in your name, amen. All right, we'll get to Acts 10 here in just a second. So like I said, if you need to turn there. Um, last week, we just looked at God saving one of the biggest enemies ever known to the church. Uh, one of the most vilest people that come against uh, the way, come against Jesus. And so we see uh, God saving Saul, who later changes his name to Paul, who we know to be the Apostle Paul, who's done an amazing, amazing work um, uh, for the early church. And so we walked out in depth um, some signs that God is working to save someone. And so we looked at those. And if you've missed any of that talk, you be sure and go to our webpage. You can find it there under resources as we've got a good team that puts that stuff up and does a great job for us there. And so, like I said, I would love to recap more. We just don't have the time this morning. And so any of the talks from this series, you can catch there. And so uh, this morning, the gospel, thinking about the gospel and what it means, the, the meaning of gospel is good news. That's what the gospel means in its form. And uh, for something to be good means that there has to be something bad, right? In order to have good news means that there has to be a chance of bad news or something going wrong or something not happening like it should. Um, and so that's, uh, that's what the gospel does is it invades those places. It, it enters into those places. And so when the gospel shows up, when the good news shows up, it shines light where there's darkness. That's what the gospel is known for. That's the very heart, the very drive behind the gospel. And it does it on a ton of different topics in a ton of different places. It, it may shine its light on brokenness, mistrust, anger, unforgiveness, hate, maybe in fractured relationships. And so the gospel enters in to restore, 
to shine light, to make known. That's what the gospel does. And so we've been intentional over the last few years to, uh, to try to really walk through the scriptures. Uh, I love just getting in a book and let's just break this thing down and let's walk through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and just see what God has for us. Because when we do that, I believe that it forces us to talk about things and to look at things that maybe we would normally overlook. Uh, like I know that I'm kind of wired and, and, and driven towards certain topics and certain things in the Bible. I know I'm very heavy uh, on, on evangelism, on sharing the gospel and seeing people get saved. I know I'm very heavy there, so my tendency is to always go that route. Well, teaching through the books of the Bible, what that does is this, is it causes me and it forces us as a people of God to look at things that we normally wouldn't look at, talk about things that we normally wouldn't talk about maybe. And so I believe that this helps us just to be well-rounded as men and women of God. It helps us to be educated and to know and to, to, to really see the heart of God even more. And so the next two weeks, we're just going to look at, talk about something that very few ever address. We're going to talk or we're going to look at something that, that, that many shy away from. And so to be upfront, put all my cards on the table at the very beginning, we're, we're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about racism. And I know that there's a weight with that. I know that there's an awkwardness with that. I know that there's discomfort in that. And, and it may get a little worse over the next couple of weeks, but just, just hang with me. And so I can just imagine the questions in your head. Can we do that? Like, are, are, we, are we allowed to look at that and talk about that? I mean, this is the church. And my answer is a resounding yes. Why? Because the things that matter to God matter to us. The things that God outlines in his word, we're going to address and we're going to walk through and we're going to talk about and we're going to uh, not shy away from but press into and allow the Holy Spirit to convict and encourage and press us where he needs to. And so uh, this week I have spent probably more time studying and praying than, than I have in a while. Just on my face before God, praying and begging him to help me say the right things. Holy Spirit, don't let me look like a fool or say something dumb. God, God, may you just move and work and do whatever you see fit in this place this morning. That's been my prayer. That's been my heart. And so in doing that, studying, preparing, I also found uh, some other resources. There's another church in Texas that's talked about this a little bit and so has tackled this issue. So I've read some of their articles. I looked at some of their things, kind of uh, taken some of the stuff that they've done and adapted it and looked at it and prayed about it. And so when you start to talk about race and racism, I just believe that there's some work that we first need to do. There's some things that we need to talk about and kind of figure out and, and, and look at because I think there are those who are just blatant racists and then I believe that there are those who are just ignorant and need to be uh, uh, educated. That They need help. They need to see where they're at. And so to give you two examples to start out is this and, and I just want to say this up front too because none of this happened here in this place. This is always, this is previous stuff and so when someone comes to me and talks to me and share something with me, I am, I am the utmost and serious about not spreading that or not saying anything or just keeping it um, with me. And so um, examples here are from other places that I've been. And so one time in student ministry, I get a phone call. And it was from a mama. And this mama calls me and says, I've got an issue. You need to get over here now. And I'm thinking, I'm not an ambulance. I'm not a doctor. I don't even know CPR. I mean, 15 and 2 maybe. I don't know what it is. But um, we've got medical people here that do that. And so um, I don't have a clue. I'm like, so I'm thinking in my head, okay, wh what's wrong? What's going on? Is everybody okay? And she's like, kind of, but not really. I just need you here. And I'm like, all right, wh what's happening? What, what's, what's going on? What's, what's, what's the need? And she's like, um, it's my daughter. And I'm thinking, oh, no, she's in my ministry. Something's happened. Like, this is horrible. I'm like, uh, well, tell me, tell me more. Tell me, what, what's happening? What's going on? What's, are you okay? Is she okay? And she begins to tell me the issue and the issue is this is that she has found out that her daughter this is a white family that her daughter is dating a black black kid and and I'm and I'm like I'm listening to this and I'm trying to I'm 
and, and, and you could tell the panic in her voice, and I'm just listening, and I'm, I'm like, okay? And she's like, and, and what I need is for you to come over here and fix her. I've never been able to fix anybody in my entire life, is what I'm thinking. And there's some other things that I'm thinking that I want to say, but God doesn't allow me. And so um, I'm, I'm like, so just to make sure... You want the student pastor to come over and tell your white daughter that she is not allowed to date a, a black gentleman, a black teenage boy, and, and that God said that that's okay. You, yes, when will you be here? I said, well, well first, just to, to, I'm just going to be straight with you because you may not want me to come. First and foremost, the scriptures don't teach that. And so I'm, yeah, that was like, we can amen that, that's good, yeah. Um, and so I said, first of all, the, the word of God never says that, it never teaches that. And, and so I'm not gonna come into your house and I'm not gonna say something that's, that, that goes against truth, that goes against uh, the word of God. I said, but what I can do is I can come over and I can talk to you and the dad and we can talk and we can figure out where you're at in here. And, and so, so I end up going over and we're sitting there and we're talking and they're just trying to convince me how wrong this is. And I assure them that in the script, there's no sin here that your daughter is doing nothing wrong. That there's nothing out of the word of God. And then it's always kind of funny how people will like throw certain scriptures on you, but, 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 but the husband's like, but doesn't the Bible say not to be unequally yoked? And I'm like, sir, it does. Well, they're unequally yoked. I said, sir, that has nothing to do with the color of someone's skin dating someone else. I, I said, what that has to deal with is, is an unbeliever joining themselves with a believer. Uh, that someone that's lost uh, dating and being connected to and, and eventually going down that road emotionally and, uh, and connecting themselves in a way that way with someone that's not a non-believer is, is that's what the scripture's teaching there. Not, not unequally yoked has nothing to do with the pigmentation of your skin, the color of your skin. So they were just so set in this being wrong and this being uh, bad and, and all of those things. And, and, and I just looked at it and I thought, man, is this some sort of civil rights type thing? What is happening here? I mean, I'm just blown away by this. This is crazy. And so I would look at that as just like a blatant type racism. No, he's this color and she's this color. There's no way that God would be okay with that. The second example I would give you would be this is... Um, my family, we love Mexican food. I mean, like, we just love it. And so I can remember when my oldest boy was born, um, he was probably about one, one and a half. He could kind of walk around a little bit. And I can remember um, we were at a, at a Mexican restaurant eating, and we'd had a, a youth with us. And, and, and from the time that we started taking him there and going in there, I mean, they just loved on him. And there was this one little waitress, and she just adored our little baby boy. And so I can remember we went to this restaurant, and as we was at this restaurant eating, and we walk in and she sees him and she just lights up and she grabs him and they'd always take him like back in the back. I don't know what they're doing back there, but he would come back with like whipped cream stuff. So it had to be something good, right? Um, and so, so they'd always just love on him and just like, oh, just all that kind of good stuff. And so I can remember um, we're sitting there, we're eating and, and this waitress gets him again and, she's, and he just lights up when he sees her. I don't know if it's because of her or because of the whipped cream stuff. But anyways, so he's just, he lights up and so she would grab him and she would take him back to the back and just love on him. And I said, um, I said, Mayor, I said, this little boy right here, he may marry a little girl from here. And the, t the, the boy that was with me just kind of was taken back and he's like, say what? I said, yeah, he may grow up to marry this little girl. I mean, she was a lot older. And I said, she may, he may marry, I mean, he loves the food. He loves these people. He's, he's all about them. And so, um, and, and the youth looks at me and says, no, 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 he, he can't do that. And I'm, I'm like, say what? Why not? Well, he, he just, he can't do that. 
We're not supposed to do that. And I, and I said, I'm, just, I'm not tracking. What, what are you talking about? Well, she's, she's of a different color than he is. He's not supposed to marry somebody like that. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm taken back in this moment, and, and, and it was a great opportunity for a teaching moment here. And I, I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, my dad told me. And I said, all due respect to, to your family and to your dad, but nowhere in the scriptures do we see that. Nowhere. Nowhere do we see it's wrong or it's a sin or the color of someone's skin doesn't dictate the relationship which they have with a person. The motive and the character of their heart, their, their relationship with Christ is what's the dictator. And so I had the opportunity to share and I said, and I'm gonna be quite honest with you and this, this is gonna be the policy in my home. I could care less what the color of the skin is as long as the heart is for Jesus more than it is for my boy. That's all that matters to me. So, so as a parent this morning in this place, I'm saying I want my kid to be connected and attached to, to somebody that loves Jesus far more than they do my little boy. Far more than they do anybody else. And I could care less the color of the skin or, or the, any of that nonsense type stuff. And so see, that's the ignorant that needs to be corrected. That's the, the you need to be educated and loved on type racism that we see. And so I don't think that racism is just about skin color. I think that it happens even within groupings of skin color that, that would be considered uh, racism. And so from the Anglo side of things, it's that you have this white collar type people versus these redneck, redneck type people. You have these upper echelon type people versus these lower uneducated ignorant type people that are, and, and there's this divide there amongst them. Or you have um, how it's played out traditionally in the African uh, American scene, you have um, you have the house Negro versus the field Negro. That's kind of how it's been played out. Or you even see it here, and I didn't see it until I moved here and realized. Uh, you, you have it played out like this. Those Northerners, those darn Yankees. Well, we're just Southerners. Like, that makes us okay to be, like, that makes it good and right. Like, they're just, they're just Northerners, bless their heart. And isn't that just like us, the Southern thing to do? Uh, we just put bless their little heart after everything, and it makes it okay. They're dumb as a box of rocks. Bless their little heart. And so you're no different than apparently that, that roughneck northerner that just tells you how it is. But saying bless your little heart doesn't make you any more right. It's just because you think you can put a little tag at the end. And it's just crazy that, that I've seen that. And all of this kind of stuff, what this is, is just an intra-race racism is what it is. It's this thought of that I'm better than you or I'm more valuable than you, that I have more worth than you do. And what it boils down to is this. It's a dehumanization of another person or another group of people is what it is. That's in the essence of what racism is. Dehumanizing another person and I think the thing that just blows my mind with this whole thought is that there's not one person sitting in this place this morning that had anything to do with what color your skin is, what family you were born to, what place you live at. You have absolutely nothing to do with any of that kind of stuff. The pigmentation of your skin, nothing to do with it. I mean, I know you can get your tan on all you want to, but you're still going to be the color that you are just with a, dark, a darker hue to you. But we had nothing to do with that, with our height. Like, I can't wish myself to be 6'7 so I can play in the NBA. 
It's just not going to happen. Why? Because I am, I am six foot on a tall day at best. That's why. God made me this way. He gave me this color and he made me this way and he's put me in certain places and he's allowed me to be there. That's God's doing, not mine. And it blows my mind that we'll get amped up and get crazy about, about that kind of stuff that we have nothing to do with. Nothing to do with. So racism isn't going after another person, but instead of going after their creator, that's what it is. The really, you don't have a problem with somebody else. You have a problem with the God that created somebody else. And that is just blatant sin. That's just crazy in my mind. Nothing to do with what color we are or how smart we are, or how tall we grow or where we're born into. And so hear me, racism is not just an Anglo issue. This is not just a white-black issue or a white Latino or a white Asian issue. The issue at hand, church, is the heart of man. That's the issue. It's this feeling that I am worth more. There's a greater value in me than someone else, and that is a sin issue. And we're going to see a little, bit of, a little bit of this as it rears its head in the Scriptures. Acts chapter 10. Acts 10, and what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to story a little bit, we're going to read a little bit, instead of reading all 34 verses, I'm just going to tell you and then we'll, we'll dive into it and we'll read a little bit and then we'll tell you some more. So this is what we've got, Acts, Acts 10, 1 through 4, there's this man and his, his name is Cornelius. And, he, and he's been praying. He's, he's described as a, as a man that seeks God, a, a man that prays, and so while praying, the Lord gives him a message. The Lord tells him something while he's praying. And so Cornelius is what he tells him. He says, there's this guy, and this guy's name is Peter. And what I want you to do is I want you to get Peter to come to your house because I'm going to give a word to Peter, and Peter's going to tell you what I need him to tell you. And so Peter has this message that he's going to give him. And then verse 5, it picks up and says this. and says, and now send men to Joppa and bring one uh, Simon who is called Peter, for he's lodging with one Simon, a, a tanner who has a house by the sea. And so here you have Cornelius. This Cornelius is a very educated guy needing Peter to give him a word from the Lord. And so the, what we know about Cornelius is this, is that he's a non-Jew. He's a non-Jew. He's a Gentile. So he's already looked down in, in, the, in the world because he's a, a Gentile and not a Jew. And so in the Jewish world, he's perceived as unclean. He's perceived as second class. See kind of where we're going? See what's happening here? He's perceived as a, as a nobody, as a no good. And so later in the chapter, what we're going to see is God give Peter a vision. And Peter starts to wrestle with this meaning. What's he talking about? What's happening? And so, to, so Peter resists God because he had this tradition of how things should be. And so he kind of has this conversation with God. And so here's Peter's vision in chapter 11. And the word says this, And I saw the heavens open, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Verse 13, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But look at Peter's response in 14. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So God tells Peter not to call something that he's made common. See, in the Jewish world, this is where we miss this. This is where we lose kind of the translation and understanding of it. See, the Jewish customs and law today was to be very clean, to be ceremonially pure, not to defile yourself, not to touch something or be around something that was unclean. So there were certain animals that you could have nothing to do with. There were certain animals that you couldn't touch. If something was, was dead, you were not allowed to, to be around it or within so many feet of it so close to it, if something was a certain type. And, and there's even people like that that you couldn't be around. As, as a Jew, as a good Jew, you were clean and pure and, and, and right like you should be. And if you got so close or you were within a proximity of or you touched or you, you, took, you took in your body a certain thing, then you were considered unclean. And so they were very, very serious about this. But God tells Peter not to call something that he's made common. 
not to call something that he's made not good. And so God's going to use Peter to tell this message to Cornelius. He's going to use Peter, this one who thought that he couldn't be around, that he shouldn't be close to, that, that there are certain things that he needs to do. He was going to use him to go and to tell him and to start to break down some walls. And so it's not just a message that Cornelius needs to hear, but as we're going to see in the scripture this morning, it's a message that Peter needs to hear as well. And so verse 19 tells us that Peter continues to kind of ponder on this vision, to think on this vision. And, and by the way, when that's happening, there's going to be three men looking for you is what Peter's told and so Peter's just here, he's in this moment, he's, humble. He's, he's wrestling with this, he's being humbled by God. Uh, what's the full meaning of this vision? What do I do? What needs to happen? And then there's this knock at the door. And this knock at the door is from the men of Cornelius' house, those came that had went looking for him. And so what happens in the story is this, is that Peter goes with them, and he goes back with them, and he heads back to Caesarea to meet with Cornelius. And look what happens in verse 25. This is what God's word says, it says in when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, hey, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Stand up, stand up. I'm just, I'm just a simple man too. In verse 27, as he talked with him, he went in and he found many persons gathered. And, and, he said, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And so as we kind of read that, we can kind of wax over it, or we can run through it real quick, and I don't think we really feel the weight of what's happening here. We don't feel the, the meaning of what's really taking place, and so like I said, this is a Jew and Gentile thing here, and so we, we kind of don't, don't fully feel the weight or grasp the understanding of what's taking place here, but maybe if we put it as a, maybe a white and black thing, maybe then we could see it a little differently. So it would be like this, it would be like a, a white dude um, walks into this living room and he's surrounded by a bunch of African-American men and he looks at them and as he's looking at them then he, then he says you yourselves know it's illegal for me to associate with you so let's, let's put this maybe in a, in a better setting maybe the, the 50s or 60s kind of in, in that setting and this white dude walks into the house and as he walks into the house then he says this it's illegal for me to be here I shouldn't even be in this room with you associating with you but God has showed me that you are not unclean I don't know about you, but if I'm a fly on the wall, I'm getting very uneasy in that moment. This boy just walks into that house and he tells these men that. I'm going to be a little on edge. But what we see in the scripture, what we understand here in the scripture is that's exactly what happens. You've got this Jewish man walking into a room with a bunch of Gentiles, people that are outcasts, that are looked down upon, that are, that are considered to be nothing and of worth no value. He looks at them and he says, man, you're, you're not uncommon. You're not unclean. You're okay to be around. This is all right, is what he says. And so what we see here is that this is a race issue. This is what's happened here in this moment. So what we see here is God beginning to break down the walls between the Jews and the Gentiles. He's beginning to do a work in the heart of people. There's no difference. Jew, Gentile, whatever. One God overall is what he's teaching, is what he's showing, is what he's modeling here. You see God breaking down those walls. He's beginning to break down the walls between the Jews and really the rest of the nations See, because God's heart is to create a new people. That's what God wants to do, is create a new people is what he's going after, is what he's about. And look at what happens in verse 29. It says, so when I sent for you, I came without objection. And I asked then, why you sent for me? And look at how Cornelius responds. He responds to this and he tells Peter, God told me to call for you. 
I was praying and God told me to call for you. And by the way, Peter, one of the things that he told me is that you've got something to say to us. You've got a word for us. And so isn't God faithful though? Is God not faithful and loving and gracious? Is God not so, so good? Because doesn't God have a word for these Gentiles? Doesn't God have a word for these people that look like as outcasts and as second class, second rate people? And the first words out of Peter's mouth is the very message that they've been waiting for. I mean, can you imagine that for a moment? You're praying and God says, hey, I need you to go get this guy. He's gonna come back and he's gonna tell you something. I got something big to tell you. Like, like my first thought's gonna be, God, just tell me. We talking? We're good? I hear you? Yes, what is it? Amen, help me. Well, just pump the brakes for a second. I got a guy that needs to come. Uh, Because really the message isn't just about Cornelius and, and his household. The message is for another guy who needs it just as bad as the guy that that we think so much needs it in the story. The guy that thinks he doesn't need it is the guy that needs it. And so what I've learned traditionally is maybe the person in this room that don't think you need it so much is actually the people that needs it. Maybe that's the reality this morning. And so this is what he does. He gets them and he comes and they're just hanging there and they're just waiting. And look at verse 34. This is what it says. So Peter opened his mouth and he says this. Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. What a simplistic message. I mean, if that's me and I'm sitting there waiting, that's it? Okay. Oh, but in their mind, church, in this day, in this age, in their heart, what liberating freedom is that? There's no partiality? When their whole life they've been looked at as downcast and second class and of no value and no good. And God says, no, those days are gone. Those days should have never been. Those days are are over. All men are valuable. All peoples are valuable. What was said here a moment ago? Little babies that aren't even born are valuable because they're made and created by God. Everybody, God knows. And he says, so there's no partiality. So this is so big because Peter comes from a system that says, no, no, there is partiality. No, you're clean and you're right if you do this. And what the gospel does, what the cross does is break down that ridiculousness is what it does. That's what it does. No, there's no partiality. There's no system like that. That's what God is doing. And look at what he continues to do. And I believe we need to hear this and live out of this. Because what this does for us, think about the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. Who? All nations. All nations. All peoples everywhere is what that means. Regardless of skin color, regardless of background, regardless if they've got enough, regardless if they wear a certain type of jeans or shirt, regardless of what they look like, regardless of all that junk, He he says to go make disciples of all nations, all peoples. We're to have a heart and a burden for everybody. And what this does is let's fast forward a little bit to Acts 1.8 where he says, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witness, he says, in Jerusalem. So we're we're to do this in our own backyard, Judea. And then he says this, he says Samaria. And what we know about the Samaritans is the same things as the Gentiles. They're these half breed, half Jewish, half not Jewish. They've married in, there's all kinds of issues and they're looked down upon. Like people would go do their best if they were going to a place that had to go through Samaria. They would go around Samaria to get to that place because they are half breeds and of no good and no earthly value. We should wipe our feet on them as a thought. Do away with them and the world would be a better place would be the mentality of the day. But Jesus, some of the last words he says, when we get that power from the Holy Spirit and we're his witness, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
the places where people look down upon, the places where those that seem to have no intrinsic value have much value to God. He says we're to be witnesses there. And then he doesn't stop and he says that last thing, much like like the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations, be my witness, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then he says to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the world. That's what he says. That's the people we go after. The outcasts, the downtrodden, those that look different, those that talk different. It's taking the gospel to all people everywhere, no matter color, no matter background, no matter how different they may be. None of that stuff matters to God. That's what I love. God is colorblind. I don't know if you've noticed it, but as you read through the scriptures, you'll see that real, real quick, that God is just, he's colorblind and unaware of that kind of ridiculous stuff that we make so important and so vital. It means nothing to him. Do you you know what God sees? God sees heart and motive, which should scare us much more than the color of our skin. That's the reality of it, that he sees heart and he sees motive and he sees sees why we do what we do and whom we belong to and why we belong to what we belong to and what we worship. That's what he sees. So for God, when he looks at a man, it's not the stature that he looks at. It's not the address that he lives at, the kind of car or the clothes that he wears or even the color of his skin, when God looks at a man, what God sees is the heart. And he sees two things, either that heart belonging to him or that heart in rebellion and and unbelief to him. So he either sees a saint saved by grace or he sees an enemy in desperate need of divine grace and mercy in their life. And church, the reality of it is this, is that's the very lens by which we should be looking through. The very lens, who do we reach? The better question is who do we not reach? Who do we go after? The better question is who do we not go after? Not just people that look like us, not just people that talk like us, not just people that drive the same cars and wear the same things that we do. No, no, we go after all peoples everywhere. That's the heart of the gospel. Taking the gospel to all people ever, no matter the ridiculous stuff. And so what we see here in the scripture is God's dealing with two ethnically and socioeconomically different people. You've got Peter on one hand, who Peter is this Jew, fine Jewish man that's a fisherman. And then you have Cornelius, and Cornelius is an offer in the Roman legion. Very pristine man. Very well-respected man in what he does. Power and control. But he's a Gentile. And what we see in the scripture this morning is this, is that both of these men need to hear the same message. They are in desperate need of the same message. It's a message that we need to hear as well. And what that message is this morning, church, is this, is that all people, regardless of race, regardless of culture, regardless of, se- of socioeconomical levels, all people are made in the image of God. Every single one of us. God formed us and fashioned us in the womb. That's what the scripture teaches. So if we want to be mad at a particular people type, we get mad at God. And from what I know to be true in the word, is that's not a fight you want to go picking. That's not a fight you want to go looking for. That God values every person everywhere. That's why his heart is to go to the nations, to reach the world. So for us as a church, as men and women of God, this reality should change everything for us. This reality should change everything for us. This message that God makes no partiality and that we're all created in his image is one we desperately need to hear, is one we desperately need to walk in, is one that we need to be reminded of. This is the lens by which we need to and should view anyone and everyone.
Do they know Christ? Are they saved? Where's their eternity sit right now? Who cares about what they wear, what they drive, where they live? Who cares about that nonsense? See, the reality is this, is that we're all beautifully and wonderfully made, and we have nothing to do with that. So what that should do is bring humility, not hostility. We're gonna get mad because they were born this color or that color, or they live on those side of the tracks. We're gonna get mad and amped up about that ridiculousness. They had nothing to do with that. You had nothing to do being born like you were born. God in his sovereignty and his grace and his mercy give you to this earth at a certain place, at a certain color, at a certain you name it. That's all God, that's not us. And so we're gonna get hostile toward God or hostile toward a people? Oh, shame on us. Shame on us. We're all beautifully and wonderfully made. Nothing in us has anything to do with that. And so what we're reminded of in the scriptures is this, is that Jesus loves us all. Red, yellow, black, and white. You know the song, right? We're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And, and, and that's what I love because I believe that's just a beautiful place for us to learn is our kids. Because I don't, I don't know how God does it, but he, does he not do the same thing? Uh, aren't kids colorblind? They don't see in color. Uh, whether kids from this place or that place or they're this color or that color or they wear this or they wear that. Like, like we, we were in Chick-fil-A this weekend and our boys were just playing up a storm and, and there were kids from everywhere, every background, every type, just in there in that little play place and not once did my little boy comes over and like, I ain't going down that slide now. How ridiculous would that be? But why do we do it? Well, I'm not gonna tell them about Jesus. Or in our heart, we feel that angst toward another people group. When Jesus says that's the very people group we need to go after, that's, that's who we should be loving. See, Jesus loves us all regardless of color and he, he counts us all worth dying for. That's what the cross says. See, that's what the cross does is it, is it merges in it a crash course with all people everywhere regardless. That's what the cross does. And so hear me, church, when we walk and we believe and we walk in this reality, I believe then we'll be the people that most represent God. I believe then we'll be the people. We've got to get to the place. We have got to get to the place where we value others. And in doing that, we value God. But hear me, if we don't and we disvalue others, then we directly offend God is what we do. And we don't want to be at that place. As the band comes back up, may God break our heart for the need to share the gospel and walk with all people everywhere, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of background, regardless of socioeconomics. May we be a people from all languages and nations worshiping Jesus who has reconciled us with the Father who has made us all in his image. May, may we be that. May we be that. Because I'm, I'm just gonna just shed some light on something for a second because there's only one race. It's the human race. That's it. We're all human. Regardless of the pigmentation in our skin, regardless of the background, regardless of where we live in our addresses, regardless of how much we have in our account, we're, we're one people. And we're the human race is what we are. And God in his grace and mercy decides who's gonna be this or who's gonna be that or who's gonna have this much pigmentation or that much pigmentation. It's God that decides that. And, and how crazy has our history been where we let silly stuff like that dictate 
where we allow silly stuff, when the gospel, the whole point of the gospel is, is to bring together, to reconcile, redeem what's been fractured and broken. That's just a result of the, of the fall, church. Racism stuff, that's the result of the fall. That's what that is. Jesus died for that junk. That's what he did. Why? Because he's saying at the cross, I love all people everywhere. And if we're going to belong to him, that needs to be our heartbeat as well. That needs to be our heartbeat. So my hope, my prayer is this. As people at New Life, as believers at New Life, that we take serious what it means to be a church that's described in the book of Revelation 5. Pull out Revelation 5 real quick. It's the very end. It's easy to find. It's the very end. Revelation chapter 5. I, I just want to read a verse. And I want you to hear this verse and just think about what's been said. And, and I'm going to, this is closing. This is it right here. This is what this verse says. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. And they sang a new song. And this is what they sang. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. And then look at what he says from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. That's what the cross did. That's what Jesus Christ did. That's who he showed no partiality to nobody. All people, all tongues, every tribe, language, nation. And look at what he says in verse 10. He says, and this is the song he's singing, you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Church, all I know is this, is that heaven's going to look drastically different than it does in this room this morning. Just a reality. If Scripture's true, and I believe Scripture to be far more true than, 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 than anything else on this planet, the very Word of God carries much more weight than the Word of man. And he says there's going to be a day when every people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language gathers around the throne and lifts high the praise of our King. That's what the church should look like. That's what the church should be like. A diversified group of people gathered together under the banner of Jesus showing what? No partiality. So the message that needed to be heard that day to a group of people that were Gentiles and outcasts and to a man who was a Jew and was considered in was that God is doing a work to bring all people everywhere together to be his church and his body. And there's no division. There's no division in that. So my prayer for us is that that would be our heartbeat. That's what we see happening in the book of Acts. That's what we see God's serious about. All people everywhere. So I don't know what God stirred in your heart and I don't know what he's stirred in your mind. I don't know what he's placed upon you. But all I know is this, as churches, is that we need to be serious about going, to, going after every, in, anybody and everybody everywhere. We don't know their language, let's learn it. And, and, and there's a universal language and that universal language is called the love of Jesus. Like we get that, right? So maybe that's where we need to start. But we're called to go after all peoples everywhere. And so I know kind of the goofy thing that'll happen now in this moment. So if you want to come pray about this or if God stirred something in your heart, there's always this thought of, well, if I go down there, they're going to think I'm a racist and I hate people. Get over yourself. If that's what you're saying, get over yourself. We can meet with our God anytime that we need to, anywhere that we need to, after any word that he has for us. So if you want to come pray this morning, you come pray. 
Whatever God places upon your heart in this moment, you do, you be obedient for. God, help us in this place. Help us to be colorblind and help us to see people through the lenses that you've set. All people everywhere matter. Regardless of background, regardless of color, regardless of status, regardless of the crazy things that we put into place to judge. God, help us get over that and help us to be burdened for the the outcast and the downtrodden. God, help us to be burdened for the loss of this world. God, move in this place this morning. God, free us in this place this morning. So we pray. Amen. You stand. Eric's going to lead us. If you want to come pray, if you need somebody to pray, relationship with Jesus, I'll be down here. We've got Tyler here. We've got some trustees around. We'd love to do whatever we need to do to serve you in this moment.